Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. We see you. You're a colleague. You're a partner. You're a friend. You're always here to support your family and your community. Now there's a school ready to support you. National University offers tuition discounts for military spouses and free tutoring, so you get the support you need to succeed. National University, supporting the whole you. We see you. You're a colleague. You're a partner. You're a friend. You're always here to support your family and your community. Now there's a school ready to support you. National University offers tuition discounts for military spouses and free tutoring, so you get the support you need to succeed. National University, supporting the whole you. Oh, that's right. I got to do the intro because they're not here. I'll do it. Okay. I hadn't even thought about that. I'll be able to do it. Brothers and sisters, siblings of all types, this is Ben Sunday School. We're broadcasting from um, Show Creator Studio South, right? Is that what you're calling it? Yep. And um, Matt Donnelly, Michael Goodell, they are working and filling in for them more than filling all four of their shoes. It's Sherrod Small. And all you have to remember is it's Sherrod and not Smalls. That's right. No S at the end. No That's all you got to remember. They're doing fine. And I'm Penn Gillette, and I'm preaching the love. Now, when you got here, you just came here from uh, New York City. New York City. I did. And uh, so what time were you up in the morning? Uh, I never went to sleep. I, uh, <laughs> I had shows last night at the stand at the Comedy Cellar. Did you kill? Killed it. Well, I'm going to teach you the vaudeville thing here. You got to okay. know this vaudeville thing. When I say, how'd the show go? You say, were you there? Uh-huh. I say no, and you say killed. I killed it. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, like you, I got another out. Okay. Were you there? I say yes. You say band fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> but you never say how your show went until right. you know whether they were there or not. Right. So you killed. Were you there? No. I killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, did I kill. You doing new stuff? Or? Doing new stuff. Um, working on a new hour. Okay. And um, yeah, I stayed to this at the cellar till about three in the morning. Mm-hmm. My flight this morning was uh, eight. Okay, good. Which, by the way, is five our time. Yes, five your time. So I just went home. I kind of packed. I napped. Then I woke up and finished packing. And mm-hmm. I went straight to the airport. Now, um, uh, do you sleep on airplanes? Ready, Rich vomits on airplanes. Do you vomit? That's all I do. Really? Before <laughs> yeah. or after? Uh, all the way, yes. What are you, an MLB pitcher? Yes. Are you a pitcher in a major leagues? You know that dude who throws up every time he pitches? Yeah. Yeah. So why you do you eat before you get on? I have to, yeah. And then you throw it up? Yes. Okay. That's kind of weird, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> I hate to sit next to you on a plane. It's more painful if you don't eat. Okay. So you don't enjoy flying? I do not enjoy flying. You like the train? I found out I don't enjoy the train either. <laughs> so trains, uh, planes, and auto- automobiles you don't enjoy. I like sitting at home. 
That's what you like to do. <laughs> but not during an earthquake. Correct. Not during an earthquake. Oh, that's why you guys had a quake out here recently. We did. We did. And it was, uh, it's so, it's so great and psychedelic. Really? You know, I was on stage <laughs> playing bass. Okay. Okay. So I'm sitting there playing my upright and we're playing you know, bebop jazz, which is what we play before the show. So we're trying to take it out. Be a little weird. The audience is sitting there. They're kind of coming in. You know, the show, magic show starts at nine. Jazz show starts at eight. Oh, okay. so we're kind of we're kind of settling in, kind of trying to do kind of Oscar Peterson and Ray Brown. If Ray Brown hadn't been that good, nice, you know, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of playing, and all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, it feels like I'm swinging a little harder than I was before. You right, know, right. I'm just like playing the bass, and we stop, and the whole room just goes, wow, and it's so much. Um, what people don't tell you, but I've been in a couple. I was in the big one in L.A. Uh, in the nineties, yeah. um, I was in that big one. I was the, the one with the baseball. Shut the baseball game down. Yeah, yeah, all that. Wow, I was in that one right at right near the center. And what they don't tell you is if you put aside your fear, uh-huh. okay, which I don't doesn't seem to scare me that much. If you put aside your fear, it's really neat. Right. It's really cool. As long as the whole yeah. whole world is moving. That's incredible. and if you're totally alone without the news on, you can really think it's you. It's just you. No, I've never experimented with substances. Okay, but uh, that makes one of us. I know. I know that people <laughs> that get fucked up when they're in an earthquake alone just ain't no thing. It ain't no thing. <laughs> just, it's kind of like when you were drinking and driving, and they said the only person not hurt in the crash is the drunk person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. exactly yeah. that. In an earthquake, you're cool. And I remember, and I've I've, I've told this before, but I uh, uh, Rita Rudner. I was at the uh, at a hotel. At the same hotel as Rita Rudner, not the same room. Okay. And um, uh, she was very flipped out because, you know, there was no power in the hotel and they're feeding us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We couldn't leave and it was police outside and stuff. And she said she was terrified right. by the earthquake. And I said, well, I, I didn't think it was no big deal. And she said, but during an earthquake, you don't know what's going to happen next. And I said, you do when there's not an earthquake? Because <laughs> I do not have the power right. of precognition at all non-earthquake times. Yes. But it was really nutty because you're moving a lot. Now, did they get everybody out of the casino? After, no. Out of the show? What happened? Oh, it just, just kept going. just goes. And everybody, and then because I do a magic show, when it slowed down, I went, thank you very much. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. That's a pro. <laughs> yeah. The audience went, whoa, that's good. You gotta, little... When you're a magician, you got to always be ready for that. Yeah. Always ready to take credit. You know? <laughs> you're in a restaurant, car goes through the window, you take credit. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. There was a magician. Uh-huh. I just love this so much. There was a magician who um, was playing a sold out show. This was in the early 20th century. Played a sold-out show, and he got told off stage that um, there was a fire in the building, right. and he had to get everybody out without any panic. He went on stage, and he said, for my next trick, I need everybody to move orderly to the nearest exit and just go out in the street. I'll do my next trick out there. And everybody slowly, easily, comfortably went out into the street. And then he stood there and went, gestured as the building burned. As the building burned. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's the guy you want. That's the guy you want. That's a pro. That's the guy you want. Everybody's safe, then he takes credit. (laughs) Beautiful. And the building's on fire. Building's on fire. Good for him. Burns burns on down. Um, 
This one was a little after eight o'clock. And so everybody in show business in Vegas was on stage. Right. Yeah. Including all the Cirque du Soleil people. <laughs> like midair. Yeah. Shit. No, that's, I saw Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. I saw footage of her show getting shut down, I think. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. If you're on stage during that, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was really, it was really, really crazy. But they didn't evacuate anyone. No. You, where were you going to go to? I guess like outside so stuff won't fall on your head inside? Uh, outside so stuff will fall on your head outside. Yeah. I mean, the where you want to be is in a, in the doorway. Right. You know, where you want to be is there. But uh, it was it was great. And um, <laughs> the piano, you know, he's playing, a, he's playing a grand piano, like a no kidding around piano. He's just going. And it's going back and forth. Just moving back and forth you know, with his hands going and stuff. And everybody's just kind of looking at each other going, yeah, it, it's an earthquake. Yes. It's an earthquake. Now it's vague. Vegas not really used to having a lot of earthquakes out here. No, right? we're not. We're not the. We're not the center of it. But uh, that's what kind of pissed us off in Vegas because all the news was about what happened in L.A. In L.A. Yeah. Well, they got a seven point one though, right? Yeah, but we were. How big were we? Ready? You know? I don't know. You were, that was. He was in the house just chilling, <laughs> <laughs> just trying not to move. I was actually on stage too, but my band didn't start until nine. Oh, really? So I was alone. On stage. Underneath the lighting rig. That's out. what I'm yeah. talking about. The lights and shit. You don't head. want to be under the lighting rig. Yeah, you end up like, a, what's the, the blue singer, the R&B singer who got hit by the uh, the stuff falling on stage and he got paralyzed. You should yeah. know that. From yeah. the 70s. Trouble T. Roy died. Well, he fell off a ramp, though. He fell off a ramp onto his head. But the guy that, that, that got paralyzed. Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, kept working. Yep, kept working after that. He died maybe like a few years ago, yeah, but yeah, 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 he kept yeah. working after getting paralyzed. Yeah. He was working after On stage, it smashed him. Yeah. That's my fear. That you're going to get smashed? I'm going to get smashed, life? yes. <laughs> yes, I can think it can happen. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, if it does happen and we now got this recorded, it'll be wonderful. Sherrod <laughs> knew, man. I'll see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I predicted it. You know, uh, our buddy, uh, Amazing Randy, you know this Oh, guy, yeah, yeah. He used to carry in his wallet every day. He would get up in the morning and he would pull a card out of his wallet and he would tear it up and burn it and throw it away. And then he would take another card and he would write very, very clear, I, James Randy, will die today and put the date on it and then put it back in his wallet. And he did that every single day for like years. No. Thinking if he died, they'd find that in his wallet and how hip would that be? That's crazy. I, James Randy, will die today. So what you got to do is every night before you go on stage, go, you know, I, Sherrod Small, <laughs> will get hit by a light tonight. Yes. Put it there on your dressing room table. Boom. That happens. You are talked about forever. See, I think the first night I do it, I'm going to get hit. <laughs> That's Self, what I believe. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Some, some stage chair going, I'm going to help him out. I'm going to, I'm going to help his career. Curtis Mayfield did okay. He did do okay after that. Yeah. Never needed a wheelchair. He always had one. Yeah, exactly. All set, all set, all set to go. He got so, paralyzed all the way down, too, with yeah. this nightmare. Yeah, well, my, my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, she was uh, she was paralyzed the last two years of her life. Oh, really? I'm telling you, if you have a choice, paralyzed or not paralyzed, even with all the ableist stuff, I still say, uh, go with not paralyzed. Yeah, that really is better. Yeah. It's better. Now, that do you way? sleep on airplanes? Yes, I sleep. I yeah. slept on this one. Yeah, it was rough. I have a window seat. I like to have a window seat because I don't like getting up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. I don't like to get out somebody's way because they got to go to the restroom. Also, you can lean against the window. I lean against the window and I knocked out. Now, do you look out? See, this is the thing that always makes me feel jaded and awful. Right. You know, 
you get up in an airplane and you are getting a view above the earth yeah. that, you know, Alexander the Great, Julius thought. Caesar yeah. would have killed for. Yes, Lincoln. They would have given 10 yeah. years of their life yeah. to see that one thing and you're sleeping. So I always try to take a moment and just look out and see the beauty of that. Have you lost that completely? No, sometimes I look out there and when I'm looking out the windows and I have the window seat and I see other people enjoying it and like the middle seat and others, uh, the aisle seat, mm-hmm. I close it right in their face. <laughs> <laughs> You should have got the window, stupid. Yeah, sorry. I got control. This is my little that's, kingdom. That's right. This is what I, I am king. I am king of 4C. I close it right in their face. Uh, no more for you. Yeah, I'm an evil bastard. So you, you, you fly every week. I fly a lot. I enjoy flying. I try to like just block it out and just look at it like it's any other thing. And you like doing stand-up. Love. You know, because there are so many stand-ups I know. That's miserable. Uh, older than you, I suppose. Yeah. But so many stand-ups I know that that worked so hard yeah. to get on the stand-up route, and now I hate it. And now I hate it. You know, you got to be careful what you wish for. But sometimes you're out on that road so much, you know that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sometimes the road just drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. And you want to be in, in, in a house, not moving around. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, some people just don't like it no more. Yeah. That road is rough, though. That road can be rough if you're doing, like, real small, you know, dinky shows. Yeah. But I just enjoy, I enjoy both of it. I like being in, in New York, in L.A., or out there on the road somewhere just telling yeah. the jokes, yeah. yeah. The jokes don't tell themselves. No, I was just, I was going to talk to you about, uh, about jokes a little bit, because I just had this experience. There's this, uh, there's this play called The Play That Goes Wrong, uh, okay. which, is a, which is a real, was real big hit on Broadway, big, real big hit over in England. And it is actors, it's uh, that they're, the story is, that they're doing a uh, whodunit mystery, everything goes wrong, and it's comedy. Right. So we wrote a show with them called Magic Goes Wrong. Okay. And uh, so I'm in there working, and it's so strange because the difference between you know, everything I say is first person. Right. And when I'm out on stage talking, although I'm doing magic, which means I am looking people in the eye and lying my ass off, right. everything I say is true. Right. You know, and they're doing everything in character. So it's true for their character. Right. Now, when you're on stage, everything you say you believe? <sighs> no. 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 But so, I question myself on stage as well. Now, so. what's the difference between uh, Sherrod, uh, totally with your friends, and on stage? How much variation is there? I think I, cause I like, cut off all the fat when I'm on stage. Like, sure. when my friends, I'll p- fool around and... We'll talk about things that lead nowhere. But uh-huh. on stage, I try to make it mean something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And try to make it like people relate to it. Mm-hmm. So I think I just cut off the fat. It's just more professional talking. And how much your show is just uh, is just tight and how much your show is uh, is loose there? I would say maybe 60-40. Mm-hmm. Maybe 60-40 tight. Because I like to keep it organic to the room, too. And I don't want to feel like I'm always repeating the same shit. Now, I know you do. People, you yeah. do audience work. Yeah. You know, Definitely. You'll find yourself, and you do it a little bit like Rickles, right? Yeah. You're looking for a type of person that you've got stuff on. Usually, yeah, sometimes. But sometimes if you can't even find that, you, if you get out the way of it, you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's what I always find. If I try to force the laugh on it, it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. But if I just be in a moment with the person, or with the audience, then it always works. Now, how long have you been on the road doing stand-up? 99. 99, wow. Yeah, you, that's 20 years 20 now. years, 20 years. Damn! And how did you get from uh, from little Sherrod to, to, to doing comedy professionally? Just um, do it first. When I started, I just started doing open mics and uh, bringer shows. Me and and my- did you do college first or no college? Yeah, I did a bunch of colleges. I did a bunch of colleges no, earlier. No, I mean, 
Oh, did I go to college? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I went to Morgan State. Mm -hmm. Big shout out to Morgan State, Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> I know Trump doesn't like Baltimore, but. <laughs> <laughs> he does not like. Well, there's more than Baltimore he doesn't like. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of things. Uh, so you went, what did you major in? I majored in communications and business. Did you Morgan. know you wanted to go into comedy? I did. I did. I, I did. So, but I still wanted to go to school. I still wanted to go to college. I had a clothing store I owned with my, a couple of my friends when I was in college called Materialistic, uh -huh. like a couple blocks from the campus. Because a, a lot of my guys who went to my school, people who went to my school, came down from New York and New Jersey mm -hmm. to go to school in Maryland. So we used to always go back home to go shopping for clothes and shit like that. So we was like, how about we just open a little store next to the school? That's what we did. So you had a business going while you were in college. Yes. You're like the FedEx guy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> always working. Little little arrow working into your logo. Right? That's right. That's right. And so you had a whole clothing store and whole oh. Had a clothing store. We used to promote parties and stuff. I had like a production company in college. And uh, we had, I had so much fun in school. I still go back now. I have charities. Me and my friends, we have a charity down there that we send some inner, kiddies, inner city kids from Baltimore to college. We pay for their college, their oh, books, nice. and stuff like that. We do that every year. So. And how do, you, how do you choose them? Uh, well, one of my boys, Dwight, he's down there. He, uh, he, works with, like, he works with the school system down in Baltimore. So him and a couple other my friends who work with like, young kids, they usually put the list together and like, try to find the people. So you don't think it's enough to just call a place a shithole, you actually want to help the people in yeah, it? Yeah, you got to help it out. That's what's right. The, that's what's a weird thing, man. <laughs> you would think the president would think that. <laughs> it's like if it's so bad, send some money down here. Yeah. Or not, yeah. not even money. Just give some help. Yes, he's talking about it like it's not part of America. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure it's part of his America. It's not part of his America. I'm not sure it is. I'm it's not, not sure it is. He was real specific about what he likes. <laughs> but do you think he's going to win, though? He's going to win in 20. I believe he's going to win in 2020. I think we uh, I think we talked about this. I, uh, I'm i real afraid. I'm afraid. I'm real afraid. But you have to remember, mostly, and you know, this is, goes back to how, how I was brought up. You know, if I, if I would go say to my mom, I don't want to wear these jeans to school. They look stupid. Right. My mom would say, who's looking at you? Who's looking at you? You know, her whole argument was, you don't ever care what other people think. You just go and do it. Right. So whenever people say that Trump's embarrassing us, as soon as they use the word embarrass, I go, I don't care about that. Right. I don't care if Germany thinks we're different. Exactly. When do we ever care about that? Yeah. That's but, the worst argument. But I'll tell you, I cringe like a motherfucker. Yeah. You know, I hear him talk and go, oh. And I have to remember, he does not speak for me. You know, this whole right. team, this whole team sports thing. You know that you got to be part of a group. And I don't like considering myself an American. You know, my my idea is you can be one person or you can be seven billion, but you can't be in between. Right. You know what I mean? Right. If I don't want to talk about being American, I want to talk about being a human. You right. Know? So I try to remember that when this goofball is embarrassing me to say he's not speaking for me. Right. He just he's speaking for himself and and there you go. But I'm afraid. You're afraid. Do you see anyone on the Democratic side that can beat him? First of all, there's a lot of Democrats running. Yeah. I think DMX is one of the candidates. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna bark us into the future. <laughs> but who on that do you think Biden's gonna he's sticking his foot in his mouth so much it's bugging me. I know, I know. And the problem is that the um the 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 those of us who are going to vote for Trump, yeah, you know, uh, trying to be inclusive, trying to say those of us, not them, right? Those right. of us, We're all, yeah, yeah. The, um, the people that are voting for Trump don't seem to care how he fucks up. They don't. And the people who are voting for 
uh, Biden really do. Yeah. You know, one of the things that someone yeah. said to me, which I, my friend uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, you know, who's on uh, MSNBC, Lawrence O'Donnell said the problem with Hillary Clinton was that when she lied, which was often, often. she felt guilty about it. Yeah. And you could see that. Yeah. <laughs> and when Trump lies, there's no shame. Yes. There's no shame yes. at all. Yes. He don't and, apologize. He don't. He sticks to his fucking guns like that. When you live with no shame, it is a superpower. Yes. And as I said, you know, the, found, the, truth. the founding fathers had this inkling, okay, this kind of sort of inkling that maybe women would eventually should probably get the right to vote. Right. Maybe there should probably not be slaves. Right. Maybe there should. They had all that kind of in their mind. Maybe this kind of thing would happen, but they never ever predicted a president without shame. Without shame at all. Yeah. He, they thought, well, there'll be a certain kind of, won't want to look like a dipshit to everybody. <laughs> no. He won't do this stuff. And they had no, no prediction whatsoever that this kind of thing could happen. So does this make him a Teflon president? Is, is he unstoppable well, I, that I, way? I don't know. You know, if somebody told you, okay, mm -hmm. uh, you can have much more success in your life, much more success, but you are never ever, under any circumstances, no matter what, going to apologize. Right. Never. You never can do that. I will guarantee you right now, Sherrod, you will be worth $200 million Ooh. in three years Ooh. if you never apologize to anybody. I don't think you could do it. I don't think I could do it. I either. think you'd bump into someone in the elevator and go, oh, man, sorry. I think you'd be, you'd be, in my size, I walk down the street at night, I see a woman walking alone. I want to apologize That's to right. her. <laughs> I feel guilty. <laughs> yeah. Just there's the possibility that I might have scared her a little bit. Right. And I feel I say right. something wrong, <laughs> embarrassing, and stupid that I got to apologize for every five minutes. That's his, could you do it? I couldn't do it. I mean, but, but what the stakes were. You know, people talk about, you know, could you get in a ring with Tyson or whoever the big boxer right. is now? Could you do that for $5 million, get hit in the face? That's the discussion. That's a discussion we can have. Going your whole life without apologizing? Without apologizing. No, what are you ready? I, I would say he's not Teflon. He's cast iron. Yeah, that's cast a difference. Because yeah. everything sticks to it. And <laughs> People just call that seasoning. <laughs> exactly. 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 But he does it even with his family. Yeah. It's like, who is this dude? I know. I know. Well, you know, I spent a lot of time with that's him. That's right. I remember. That's right. The apprentice. So what, how, what did you think? Like, what would you... Here's the interesting thing. Okay. Um, he, uh, I never heard him laugh sincerely. At anything, right? Never heard him laugh. He was one thing. He, he would he would laugh at people in a bully, hateful way, right? Like, ha ha, you failed. <laughs> but never sort of any sort of real. Uh, and he never did a joke. Right. Now you know, I'm not talking about sarcasm. I'm not talking about boy, that person's wicked fat. Right. <laughs> right. You know that disgusting stuff. Never heard him tell a joke, and never heard him enjoy music. And that Weird. is scary. That's, that's scary shit. Yeah. I was on Good Morning America with uh, Melania, uh -huh. and he called in and did a whole fake fire me on, on, the, on the air thing. Uh -huh. But uh, when she was explaining, because it was like uh, the whole topic was, uh, uh, it was about your boys having your back. Uh-huh. And she was like, and then uh, the, they asked uh, Melania, does he have any friends that he goes to if he have uh, in a crunch? <laughs> and she was like, no, he's his own man. He yeah, goes yeah. to no one. I, I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> I was over in England. 
and they were doing a, a couple of big TV specials. Yeah. And the point of the TV special was we're going to dig in deep on the two major candidates. Okay. On Hillary Clinton and on Trump. Going to dig in deep. And they do these every four years, right? Okay. They do these big in deep dive. And, and it was I, in Europe? Yeah. Okay. They were, they were in England. I think it was also broadcast. I think it was a PBS thing with okay. also BBC. And uh, they had me on because I spent a lot of time with Trump and talking about that. Right. And uh, I said to the person afterwards, I said, so these shows easy to put together? And he said, Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The shows are really a template. We just bang them out. And he said, uh, we know what we're doing. He said, but... Trump has been impossible because we have this whole section we do on everybody where we talk to their closest friends, and we can't find a friend. Not one. Not one. They said not a college friend. Not one. Not a high school friend. They said there's one woman that used to live in another apartment that he talked to once in a while. Right. <laughs> and we talked to her, and she said, not really a friend. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what really struck me. Yeah. He got no friends. No friends, doesn't like music, doesn't tell jokes, has no shame, will not apologize. <laughs> you don't need to talk any sort of policy. You know, right, that scares me. That scares I, me. Yeah, because you know, uh, anybody, I mean, you could sit in a- Hitler could, had a friend, man. Yeah, Charlie Manson. Manson had friends. He had a family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this ad here. Sure. Do you, uh, do you gamble uh, on sports at all? I do a little. You do? Well, here we go. You hear about this thing? Uh, it's, now, these are all words. I don't know what they mean. Okay. So you have to tell them to me. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Yes, Antonio Brown's on the Raiders. He was beefing about his helmet for no longer. He just got traded from, uh, where was he? Uh, Phil, uh, he was just. Okay, doesn't matter. Okay. You knew the name. Yes. Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon Bell. Yes, I know him running back. Or the Jets. Yeah. Uh, Odell, o Odell, Odell Beckham? Beckham Jr. Yeah, he's a friend, actually. One thing that hasn't changed. When, so you gamble. Yeah. When you gamble on sports, you do it right here. Because there's this company called MyBookie. Have you heard of this company? Oh, My I did. Bookie? Yes, I yeah, know yeah, yeah. MyBookie. And they, uh, that's the place to bet on football every weekend. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. Uh -huh. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least hundred grand. Jeez. And it only costs a hundred bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb to the leaderboard and score your share of huge cash prize pool. You know, we only gambled on sports once. Tell and I entered the pool. We were on Broadway with the crew right. and we both won and they hated us for it. Um, <laughs> How much you win? <laughs> we won a lot, but we had to then buy them all this TV stuff because uh. the producers said, you can't have the do stars winning. Right. The, the crew wants but, stuff. Yeah. So we had to give all the money back and more. <laughs> My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. You've got the most rewarding player. They got the most rewarding player. So you, part, can, you can bet during the game. They, yeah. That's great. Yeah, you can do everything. Um, and uh, up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus. Double your first deposit. Use promo code... 
Penn. That's P-E-N-N to activate the office offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Penn when creating uh, your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. What more do you want out of gambling? My bookie. Now, do you uh, do you uh, do you uh, gamble the, the, the table games in Vegas? I uh, I play a little blackjack. You do. I play some blackjack. My sister's actually coming out here with her husband this week. You you? My one of my sisters. Oh, yeah. She's flying out here, and she's a gambler. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I had a show in a casino in Atlantic City. Both my sisters were there. I I left them in a casino maybe like eleven p.m. Mm-hmm. after with the last show. Yeah, sure. I woke up in the morning to fly out. <laughs> These bitches still in a casino <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning with a whole new crew of people around them at the table and still going hard they come out ahead uh they always win no yeah. i don't know how to do it but they always there fucking you, win there you go there you go but i can't stay at a table for 15 hours but i will tell you if you want to work in vegas for the rest of your life always be booked all you got to do is go in there lose a ton of money not be able to pay it and they will book you every <laughs> year for the rest of your life and there are by the way there are two comics no in vegas no who come back every year and they, they, they will never get paid. And they're always playing here. What? Yeah, yeah. I will tell you when there's not microphones on. Oh, who it is. I can't wait and to And I, I will also tell you, you will not be surprised. The Sherrod's jaw will not drop. You'll go, oh, yeah, of course. That's <laughs> that makes sense. Be. Yeah, sure. So they come here, still play, but they won't get paid money because they owe the casinos so much money. <laughs> yeah, how is that a thing? Still, <laughs> they made some sort of deal, you know, wow. years ago, saying I'm in kind of over my head. How about uh, instead of paying off this shit, I just pay play for the next twenty years, twice a year, two gigs, and they go okay. <laughs> wow. And so you come out here, you play, you get shrimp in your dressing room, you're done. That's your pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Oh, this so, city. So as a juggler, <laughs> as a juggler, mm-hmm. I got to talk about this with you. Okay. Now, you're rolling your own cigarettes. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah. You're outside. I roll them. Smoke. I put a little weed in them. That's why I have to roll them myself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's the reason. Okay. Now, um, but I don't care about that. Yeah. I'm not interested in the weed or the tobacco or any decisions like that. Okay. I'm interested in, do you do any of the fancy stuff? Do you do like one hand rolling or anything I like that? I can't do that. You don't do I would fancy? spill it all over myself. Because the thing I love- about uh, habits yeah. is all the ritual that's yeah. around. I mean, do you like carrying that can of tobacco? I do. You know what? I think I enjoy rolling it just as much as I enjoy smoking it. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing, but I I do. Now, do you think they're going to have packaged cigarettes that have weed and tobacco? And- uh, they have it now. They have packaged ones that already Yeah, they're already, already pre-rolls. Already rolled? Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. They got the pre-rolls. Oh, yeah. They definitely already had it in Europe, but now they started to have it here and like- and Vegas, you know, Vegas yeah. got it. Well, see, you know, I've never had a puff of marijuana. Never in your life. Never a sip of alcohol. Ever. Never. You Trump weird. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the problem. That's the problem. My guy. You know what I mean? Uh, I am the always sober, never had a drink, and then I'm also hardcore atheist. Right. And right. the two things that have always I related to in a person, I believe the president of the United States is now both of those things, and I don't like it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm now saying, you know, never had a drink, never, never. Maybe I should start smoking. <laughs> Maybe I should start doing something. A little something. I, don't, I don't know if I want to identify. Does Trump there. not drink? Uh, never drank at all. Ever. Yeah. That's that, now and, you, you drink, right? I had beer. Beer. 
Like, what do you mean you had it? Somebody forced it my, on you? My like, grandfather gave me a, a sip of his beer when I was a kid. That's a good grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> but never since then, right? Good pop, pop. And that's the only beer you ever had in your and life. I've had people sneak some in. This is complicated. I worked as a DJ at a strip club. Right. And you never drank? And the deal was I had to take drinks from customers. They, The staff knew that I didn't drink, so they would pour fake drinks for me. Oh. A couple of those didn't work out right. And the kid was real drunk. Yeah, so I have tasted that. Oh, okay. But I wouldn't finish it. So you were dead sober in the strip club? Yeah. What is that like? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that about? It's it's hard working for crackheads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people drinking and stuff and you're not, that's when I get bugged. That's why I got to leave. I can't even I, be in that situation. I, I will tell you, I, I had a friend playing the punk band. Right. Oh. He, uh, he, liked to do, he liked to do his drugs now and again. Right. And then he, uh, he got a job at uh, HBO or Showtime doing a um, documentary on, uh, on E!, you know, okay. uh, did a whole documentary on E. So he had to, as a worker, as a producer, go to uh, all these raves, stone cold sober working. And he said, you know, uh, he remembered once I was I was playing a gig with him at CBGB. Yeah. And I was playing bass with him at CBGB. And I said, I got to tell you, man, going to a place like CBGB, which I've done a lot. Right. I was in the punk scene, stone cold sober. I can't believe that. It is amazing. And he said, you know, you said that about being in a punk club sober and how weird it was. He said, you think that's weird. Being in a rave, stone cold sober. <laughs> he said, you just think you're on another planet. Yes. I said, there's no way to feel more alienated <laughs> yes. than, than doing that. And he said, it changed his whole outlook. He said he was really It made him like uncomfortable with drugs then. Really uncomfortable with drugs. I yeah. believe that. I being, believe that. Being sober in a bar. Yep. You know. That's the first thing that make you go, oh, I'm never doing that shit again. Yeah, yeah. This is what I turn into? <laughs> oh, I can't see this anymore. Yeah, you want to be uh, you want to be part. But I used to, you know. CBGBs, how did, how were you sober in there? Just oh, walking yeah. in there, I was fucking. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was, you know, and I'd go on stage and play bass with, you know, Maureen Tucker and uh, wow. Half Japanese and those bands like that. And, and be, everybody smashed. Everybody smashed, and I'm there. And you're like six, seven. Yeah, <laughs> and there's over the nine thirty club uh -huh. in DC. Which if you're if you're from Balmer, you must know uh, DC a little bit. I know DC. The nine thirty club. Mm -hmm. um, they had a uh, stage that was six five on the stage. So I would have to play the whole night, play the bass with my head down, head crouched, head sober. <laughs> so I was just, you know, you know that um wow. there's that Diana Arbus photo, a Jewish giant at home in Brooklyn, which is this big <laughs> weird guy standing in his living room where he can't stand up with his little parrots. You know, that's what I was like. Matter of fact, I've told you this ready. I grew up in a in a house that my parents built. Right. When I say built, I don't mean they gave plans to a rich guy. I mean they carried every cinder block. They hammered every nail. Where was this? Uh, Western Massachusetts, Western Greenfield, Mass. Mass. Okay. Uh, you probably play Northampton or yeah, something yeah. now and again. Yeah, it's a little bit. Uh, it's the it's the dirt dirt poor place from that, like 20, 20 miles north of that. Oh, okay. And uh, kind of a dead factory town, you know. And my mom and dad, uh, who were uh, who were old when I was born, I'm 64 now, but my mom was 45 when I was born. Wow. So they were out of the depression. It's almost like being raised by your grandparents, you know, okay. in terms of generations, right. you know. My mom, to give you an idea, my mom was born in 1909. Wow. Okay, so everything shifted. Okay, wow. everything. You're Who's in, Teddy Roosevelt, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're Teddy. You're, cra you're crazy, crazy world there. <laughs> wow. And um, and so they built. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The house. I mean, every nail hammered by my mom and dad. Wow. Every nail. Every cinder block carried by my mom and dad. No help. Are you the only child? Uh, well, it's even weirder. My sister was 23 years older than me. Wow. And so maybe I wasn't planned. Maybe. <laughs> you just showed up. Maybe. With a cinder block. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but that house that my mom and dad designed, uh-huh. I couldn't stand up in. It was that small. I mean, when I go back to, uh, uh, I still own the house. Right. My mom and dad are dead. When I go back to, uh, to, to the house and I go through, you know, I was, I brought my children there because right. I, I have a, a friend that lives in the house now. And when I brought my children back, you know, they're, they're amazed because every doorway I automatically duck no matter what way I'm walking, right. you know, cause I know that I can't walk through any of the doorways. And uh, so I just, I'm always doing that uh-huh. and just natural. So, you know, I know what it's like to be a little bit of an outsider. Should I talk about the podcast? Sure. I probably should do that. While every other pizza company out there is trying new things on top of their pizza, Papa John's just flipped pizza night on its head by doing something completely new on the bottom. Introducing the new crispy parm pizza with a layer of buttery toasted Parmesan cheese baked on the underside of our signature thin crust. That's because we know the first thing your tongue touches when you take a bite is the bottom. So try the new crispy parm pizza from Papa John's. It's living awesome. I got something else to uh, to tell you. There's a podcast. Um, everybody's got a podcast. But this guy, Podcats, local guy. You must have talked to Katz. Uh, uh, John, John Katz. Yeah, he's he's done. Oh stuff yes, on, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, well, he's yes, got yes, a yes, podcast yes. called Podcats, P O D K A T S, Las Vegas Entertainment. New episode every Monday. The most recent episode features David Copperfield. Oh. Past guests have included Piff the Magic Dragon, Dana Carvey, Craig Ferguson, Perez Hilton, Ice Cube, Wayne Newton, Carlos Santana. That's a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people on there. That's. P-O-D-K-A-T-S, Las Vegas Entertainment. And the most recent episode, Kat sits down with our friend David Copperfield, talks about what it's like to go on Penn and Teller. Fool us. He was on as a judge. Okay. He had us judge. We Y'all had never him. had magic beef? What's that? You and uh, Copperfield. Y'all never had any beef huh, with the think, magic? You think so? Maybe. <laughs> oh, Maybe in the eighties there were hits put on me by him. But um, what, what do you think we talk about when you're not here? <laughs> they also chatted about their shared admiration of Lady Gaga, Copperfield's collection of Gilligan's Island memorabilia, and what it's like to own your own private island. You know, yes, you, you, you own you know, that island. You know, that right. island. Yeah. Uh, they did the interview on location at the hangar where Copperfield parks his private jet. Which I have a beef with. They say here he parks his private jet. I don't believe he does. I believe someone else parks his private jet. That's right. I don't think he's parallel parking. Not himself. I don't think he's doing no, that. No, what's he doing? To find Travolta? that episode and every episode, search Podcats, K A T S, Podcats Las Vegas Entertainment. That's P O D K A T S Las Vegas Entertainment. Wherever you get your podcast, if you go hit subscribe right now, we'll be here waiting for you. You can listen to the rest of Penn's Sunday School. Yeah, Katz is a good guy. How did Copperfield get an island, man? 
Copperfield, for many, many years, uh-huh. was the top earning entertainer in the world. In the world. Yeah. He was making some uh, some serious cash. I mean, like Grateful Dead, you know, ZZ Top 80s money. Right. He was making some serious money. Is he still making that? What's yeah. He's still making really good money. Yeah. But he, now he's settled down a little bit more. He's over at the MGM okay. at doing his shows. And we both have, uh, have uh, mellowed out remarkably. We used to – I used to go on Stern – I would talk about Copperfield. <laughs> there then we go. I would get phone calls from Copperfield, and there would be some yelling back and forth. Really? And then I would make promises to him that I would not keep. <laughs> I would say to him, listen, I won't even mention you again, man. I promise you, I won't mention you again. And there was one time, okay. it was exactly 45 minutes after I promised I wouldn't mention him again, I did a joke in the very next interview, and he called me up and said, you are a crackhead. <laughs> he said, you're, it's like you have promised me you're not going to do crack again, and then you do it. He said, insulting me in public is like crack to you. And I, I had to admit to David Copperfield that I was helpless. <laughs> I, I, I was helpless. You do it. do it. I just could not slave to it. I just could not. I just could not control it. I needed like a 12-step program to get up. And then, you know, every time I would trash, you know, David Blaine right. or Chris Angel, Copperfield called me and go, see, does that feel good? <laughs> that he just changed that right over there. He was the kind of person that thought, like Miles Davis. Uh-huh. The way you quit heroin is to do cocaine. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> so that's the way it. you stop insulting Copperfield <laughs> is go after Blaine. That's right. That was his solution. Because remember, Miles, Miles did that big thing like, I've quit heroin. I've yeah. kicked heroin. Yes. I'm off heroin. And he was on cocaine then. Yeah, a lot you of know? cocaine. Yeah. And yeah. you can, I, some people do that. You know? uh, so what do you think about Blaine and all the new? Oh, Blaine, Blaine, Blaine did the best TV special that's ever been done on Magic. Oh, He got okay. this incredible idea. It was Street Magic. Right, the Street this Magic. This incredible yeah. idea that he was going to put the camera on the audience. Right. And that sounds so obvious now. No one ever thought. Nobody about thought about it. You know, every single magic special before that had been all the audience is there. We hear him laughing, but we see this stuff on stage. Right. And David Blaine got the idea that he would go on the streets, and he would do tricks for people and get their reaction. And get their reaction. And all he was waiting for was people to scream. Yeah. You know, and what every black neighborhood he went to, boy, boy, he they yeah they thought he was from the future. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and he played that. He played he it up, good, yeah, and he loved it. And also, the thing you've got to realize, and this isn't this isn't giving things away, but um, for every three minutes you saw on his TV special, right. he, he shot that fifty times. Right. So he could just wait to get really good reactions, and, really and clean, really him. good, and just go with that. It was a beautiful, beautiful special and changed the whole world. And like everybody who's really big in the field, everyone that followed him completely and utterly sucked. Right. They stole the wrong they just, shit. Right. They, they couldn't steal his heart. So they stole the the bullshit that's around it. You know? Right. He did a great special. And I've heard, and I haven't seen it, I can't speak to it. You saw it already. Yes. His latest tour oh. is really good. Yes. Really? really good. Now, there was a lot of stuff with him working live and some of the later specials where he wasn't really to my taste. But everybody I've talked to about this new tour say he's just great. Really? And, of course, we do the show Fool Us, so we know all the uh, all the young magicians coming up, and right. they are – they're really great. Oh, really? And the really thing is it, is it is opening up, you know. What we never had in magic was girls. Right. There were 12-year-old boys doing magic, but there were no No 12-year-old girls. Right. None. None. And now, uh, because of the internet, 
because magic never opened up. <laughs> magic never, never got inclusive. Right. It stayed this. It stayed the same thing. Very, yeah. But the internet blew that open. Right. So they don't care about magic clubs. They can go on and learn stuff on videos and stuff. So now, and I tell you, this almost makes me cry. Like most nights at the show, you know, we always meet people after the show. Most nights at the show, they'll be like a girl. Coming up and saying, "Hey, have you seen this pen and doing a magic trick for me?" While their That's while their great. parents video it. That's know? great. Which used to be guys, you right. know, it'd always be young boys. And people ask me, you know, and I've said this a million times, you know, is your is your son and I have a son and a daughter. Is your son in the magic? And I always go, "No, my daughter, daughter is. is." Yeah, right. and my daughter, I I was wanting to bring this up and I had forgotten it, and now I'm bringing it up Monday night, which is if you're listening right now tomorrow night. But if you're listening on Monday, tonight, uh, on the CW, Penn and Teller Fool Us, whenever that is, 8 or 9 o'clock or something, the closing act in the show is my daughter. Really? 13 years old. Wow. And she comes out and does uh, Volterra, the Vegas magnet. (laughs) Okay. And we did this thing where where I do the talking, Uh most of the talking. She does a little talking. Teller handles the props. And my daughter, for the close of the show, is doing all the magic. That's crazy. And what we chose That's to do so with great. her, which um, some of my carny friends called me up and busted me, did a thing called uh, the electric chair, uh-huh. where you run voltage through someone's body so they can light torches. Right. And they can do all this stuff. And some of my carny friends said, you you, you took your daughter and you, you ran, you ran <laughs> all this electricity to her to do this trick? And I said, sure, it's safe. And they go, yeah, it's safe. But on the carny, we do it with like runaway girls. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, do my daughter. And she did a uh, really good job. I really loved it. And I also like that because I really want people to see a new image of magicians. You know, right? magicians have always been, you know, uh, 30-year-old middle-class guys, guys yeah. you know, doing doing magic. And we just want to open it up. And uh, with Fool Us, working hard to do that, working hard to dig around and find people who don't fit in that, we found people that do like like always, like do really different stuff. You right. know, you go out of a certain demographic, you get uh, you get different sorts of ideas right. and stuff mixing up, and uh, it's been really good. So I hope that Moxie uh, inspires inspires uh, young girls to do magic all over. Yeah, I never really, I never really realized, but yeah, I've never seen young women. <laughs> there's in magic. never been there's only on the side, like the assistant. Type always situation. the assistant. Oh yeah, right. if you want to see him assistants, if you want to see him jumping in boxes and getting right. mutilated, <laughs> right. you got that. You got if you want a greasy guy in a tux with a lot of birds torturing women in front of mylar and to I want- bad <laughs> rip off Motown music. You have got that in magic. We have got that covered. That is there for you whenever you need it. If you want something a little <laughs> off that menu, it's hard. that's just coming in. Right. That's just starting out. And the young kid's doing it. Yeah, they're starting to. They're starting to. And uh, something that nobody noticed, that nobody noticed but was um, really profound to us, is about 12% mm-hmm. of the people on Fool Us, Fool Us. Okay. About 12% have tricks we can't figure out. Really? Yeah, about 12%. How many episodes you have you have done already? Uh, Christ, we've done what six years, seven years? Damn! Yeah, so we've done like uh, we've done like uh, eighty or ninety shows. What was one thing that you still was like, what the? How the hell did they? Oh, do that? We, like I said, there's a bu- there's a bunch of those. There's uh, there's a couple guys, Kostya Kimlet. 
uh, who is a Russian cat. Okay. Uh, He's a does, meddler. He meddled in our election. Does does <laughs> yes, exactly. Does uh, card stuff that okay. he, he just chooses to fool us whatever he wants. It's no challenge for him. Really. And then this is weird cultural thing. Any guy doing card tricks from Spain fools us. Any Spanish card magician fools us. And the reason is there's this guy over there, Juan Tamaris, who is a superstar, right. who's a fabulous card guy, but also a really wonderful, wonderful person. So he's teaching everybody? He's teaching everybody. He's inspiring everybody. You know, it's like when you get anybody like that, when Prince or James yeah. Brown or Bob Dylan yeah. or anybody come along... If they're that good, they suck everybody along with them. Right. And so all these guys, inspired by Juan Tamaris when they were like 15, start learning shit. How old is he? Oh, he must be older than me, right? 70s? Yeah, he's like 73, 74, somewhere uh, right there. And you would say he's the best at the card tricks? And he, uh, that's, yeah, he's also, he is, he is also, he is also the, he's this gentle, beautiful hippie. Right. And he is the meanest motherfucker who ever lived in. I heard a way he did a trick. I'm going to give this away. I guess I probably shouldn't. But it shows what a mean ass motherfucker <laughs> he is, right? I like it already. He says to everybody in the audience, yell out your favorite card, okay? Uh-huh. And everybody yells out their favorite card. He goes, I, I, I can't hear, I can't hear different stuff, right? I can't hear different stuff. Uh, too many people yelling out. I'll just do a trick for you, right? He does a whole trick, okay? And then uh, thirty minutes later in the show, okay, he, he, you know, they, they, he finishes the trick, takes off his hat, and acts like he's going to pass the hat, puts the hat back on. Twenty minutes later in the show, that whole thing's forgotten. He's moved on. Right. He'll go to a woman in the audience and say, um, uh. Name name a card. She names the card, takes off his hat, hands it to her. There's one card in there, and it's her card. Okay. Here's the method on this. You know what the method is, right? It's amazing. When everybody yells out their favorite card, Uh, he listens to one person. One person. Remembers that. Then when he goes through to the other card trick, he pulls that card out. When he goes to pass the hat later on, throws it, his hat puts it back on. Oh. Amazing. He's one of these guys that it's not just that he's, it's not that he's the best. It's that he's got a different way of thinking right. about how you do stuff. Yeah. And it's all perspective for him, like a different way in. You say- so it's like the same joke. You say, a, you say a different way of thinking about things. I say he's a motherfucker. He just does <laughs> not care. There are no rules. He'll do anything to fuck you up. Anything. Right. And it makes him, it makes him just um, fabulous. What I was going to, what I was bringing up here, what I was bringing up here was, um, so we had five women on the show last season, five women who were not part of a team. They were not assistants. They were actually standing there doing magic on their own. Nice. Okay. Now that's really good. We're really proud of that. We worked hard to get that to happen over the years. They were really good. But the most important thing that nobody noticed, all five fooled us. All five fooled you. Yeah. Because we are old guys brought up in that tradition. Right. And it's they were thinking a different way. Yep. So we were really, really thrilled about that. And we're going to talk to Sherrod Small wow. more. 72 episodes, by the way. 72. Thank you. 72. 72 episodes. So hot off the bit stream, Dustin sent us our winners. Oh, did he? Yeah. You want to answer right now? Why don't you do it right now? Tell him the- Okay, the, tell him. We've got a new VR game uh-huh. called- um, uh, Frankly, unfair, unkind, unnecessary, and underhanded. Okay. Okay, it's a way to mess with people in VR. That's what it abbreviates to F-U-U-U and you. 
Okay. That's what the abbreviates <laughs> to. Right, nice. And uh, we gave an award to any I – mean, we gave we a free a contest. Game, free game, contest, to anybody who could tell that during the game, there's one thing you can do where you can be virtual pen. And you can be what I am like offstage. You get to be me. And when you be me, you get to sit in a chair and read, which is all I do. Right. When I'm not, and <laughs> – they had to guess the book I was reading, which is the easiest contest ever. It is, I believe, the greatest book written in English, and that is Moby Dick okay. by Herman Melville. I was going to say Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing by Judy Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a Bloom boy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you, you, you're a bloomer. You're a bloomer. <laughs> uh, and who were the five people? That so won? our five winners are Maja Drake, Luke Reed, Justin Gallant, Sam Friedman, Tom Umberger. Practice all those names? No, I just read it. This just came in. So they all guess you the book that you were reading. Yeah, Moby. without seeing the book. Yeah, nice. But it's really simple because if you listen to this podcast ever, I've mentioned Moby Dick and Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Moby Dick and Bob Dylan. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today, and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts get mentioned just about every show, including I, this one. Just about as often as we mention our beef with David Copperfield. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back with Sharon Small uh, Wednesday, which is going to be right now. Yeah. But for right now, that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. So who do you think is like the biggest female you could uh, come naked. Ma- uh, magician? Like biggest female magician? There's never been one. Never this been a superstar. Been uh, there was Melinda, the first lady of magic. Who worked a lot in Vegas, right. not internationally known. And there was um, like the woman who did all stuff with vinyl, singles, like Miss 45, she was called or something. Do you think it has anything to do with like people don't want to be fooled by women? Might also be that. I'll tell you, all the reasons there aren't women magicians, none of them are good reasons. None of them are good reasons. They're all creepy <laughs> reasons about our society. We are the worst. <laughs> and you know we love you. Hey everybody, Jason Ellis here from the Jason Ellis Show podcast, reminding you that my podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, downloadable, where all podcasts are available. Come see my friends, Michael and Kevin, as we talk to you about what's awesome, what sucks, fitness, fighting, parenting, life, spin kicks, LGBTQ community, how to defend yourself against a shark if it attacks you out of nowhere, and much, much more. So come join us. We see you. You're a colleague. You're a partner. You're a friend. You're always here to support your family and your community. Now there's a school ready to support you. National University offers tuition discounts for military spouses and free tutoring, so you get the support you need to succeed. National University, supporting the whole you. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.